Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, I also wanted to introduce myself. I'm Charlie, lead pastor here, and glad that you are worshiping with us as we're getting ready for Christmas. A couple of quick Christmas announcements of sorts. I want to make sure everybody is aware of. On Tuesday, we have our Christmas Eve services at 4 and 6. And I always feel like I need to also give this invitation uh, to the service because it's, it's kids in the room, and it gets, it gets, it gets fun, and, and it's exciting. There's uh, just the right amount of chaos. I love it. We have a little story time for the kids. It is a great service. I think it's one of, one of if not the highlight of our year, uh, and we love it. So please come, please bring your kids, and if your kids act crazy, remember I invited them. So it's great. It's a great time. Uh, there's candlelight, communion, it's time for the kids, some amazing worship, and I encourage you guys to be a part of that, it's 4 and 6 on Tuesday. And then next Sunday, um, uh, because we'll have these great worship services in the middle of the week, and sometimes there's just this, you just kind of just need to take a deep breath. So we're trying something that we've done a couple of times when... Um, Christmas has been, like Christmas has been on a Sunday, but we're going to try it um, this 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 year. Even though Christmas is earlier in the week, where we're going to instead of having our normal services, we're going to have a brunch, like a potluck brunch, just at ten thirty, just one service, I guess, at ten thirty. Kids are going to sing. Uh, they've been working on some Christmas songs. To call it a show or a performance might be a little overstated, but it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing with our kids, and so I encourage you to come be a part of that um, next Sunday. So we've been kind of working our way through the Christmas story over the last uh, few weeks, and um, sometimes it's and it's interesting. It always it always happens that you know you get around the, these seasonal times, and and um, then Bible stories, Christmas story, whatever, they'll start to insert themselves into our political talk. And um, there's not a there's not a whole lot of things necessarily that make me angry. Uh, but this is one of them, and I'm going to try to t- talk about this in a relatively lighthearted way, and you can later, you can try to come talk to me and wa- watch me get angry if you, if you want to. But like it happened this week, right, or last couple of weeks, like in the impeachment deal with Trump, where somebody gets, gets on the floor of Congress and, and says that Jesus got more due process with Pontius Pilate than Trump got in the impeachment. And I'm like, I, it just, don't, just, just don't. And it's not the first time that Pontius Pilate and Jesus became, kind of became a thing. It actually happened in 2012 on the other side, right? So because uh, the Republicans are giving Obama a hard time because he used to be a community organizer, and that's bad, apparently. And, 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 and then they responded, and Mitt Romney was running against him, and he was a governor. And good again, in Congress, gets up and says, you know, Jesus was a community organizer, and Pontius Pilate was a governor. As if that means anything, and it's just frustrating. And then you get down around Christmas and you see it. And it's like it, it, we, we take it as an opportunity to use the Christmas story to enforce some of our own political opinions, be it about um, border security and refugees or about abortion rights. And, 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 and I'm just, it just stop. And I think that one of the things that frustrates me about it, first of all, it is anytime somebody puts it in these little sound bites, it really shows... Uh, I would say, a lack of knowledge about the complexity of both the Bible story and the political issue. So we'll just say that. And um, what it shows is this thing that we do where we go to the Bible way too often. It's like, I've got my predetermined worldview, and I'm going to shove this Bible story into it. 
and I'm looking to the Bible to confirm my own ideas. I come with my lenses about the way the world works, about who God is, about what people are and what's important and what's not, and I make the Bible story fit that. When really what God has been doing cover to cover is trying to reshape our entire worldview. He is, it's exactly what Jesus did. He's like, this is one of the primary purposes of Jesus. Like, I'm going to show them with the life, the birth, life, and death of my son, I'm going to show them what I value and show them what's important. And what God says should shape our worldview as opposed to our worldview shaping what we think God's saying. And so we're going to be looking at the, uh, the story of the shepherds today. And I think as we look at the story of the shepherds, we're going to see a, a, just a few things that I think are incredibly important for us as God is trying to, to shape us in the way that we think and, and approach the world. And so to catch up kind of where we are in the story, Mark started this out a few weeks ago. And he was talking about Mary and the, the virgin birth where this angel comes to her and says, hey, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna conce- have a son. He's going to be the Messiah, but it's not going to be because you had sex. It's going to be something that God does. And, and Mark talked about that and just kind of how overwhelming uh, that, that, that was for her and how God was with her. And then the next week we talked about kind of how that affected Joseph. You know, he was her fiancé and how he's got to cope with this thing now. And at first he's about to put, cast her completely aside. But then ultimately, God comes to him and says, no, 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 this is something I'm doing. And the, the faith and courage he shows to believe God. And then last week, we're just kind of talking a little bit more about the journey of Mary, that somehow we have this idea God's going to do something really cool in Mary's life, that her path should be smooth and straight. And it was, in fact, the opposite of that. It had some great times, but it had a lot of twists and turns and, and frustrating, scary times for her all the way up until the very end where she uh, has to give birth because no one in that entire town, including her husband's extended family, no one will give them a bed or a room to stay in. So they have to live and then ultimately give birth to a baby in a barn. And so that's kind of where we pick up the story now. The baby has been born. They are in this barn. And um, we find out that on the other side of town, we're going to introduce ourselves to these shepherds. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so, make sure we understand. So, there, Mary and Joseph and Jesus are now in the, in, the, in, the, in the barn over here. And somewhere outside of this small town, there are some shepherds that are taking care of the sheep at night. And to make sure we know who these people are, I mean, there are people with, who would have some wealth that would own a significant amount of livestock. These are not those people. These are the people who are essentially the graveyard shift of watching the shepherds, watching the sheep. Um, uh, while, while, you know, so essentially kind of at, at, at the lowest rung, the, the poorest in this community would be valued 
kind of near the bottom. They're, they're not people of means. They, they would be relatively outcasts. Not that there's anything wrong with, with farmers or anything, but just these were just kind of the, 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 on, on the lowest end of kind of where their society was, the people who would have to stay out with the sheep in the middle of the night. And so this is who they are, these kind of people who have been on the outskirts of society, both literally and, and, and metaphorically. And an angel comes to them and says, you will not believe what has just happened here today. What has happened here today is that your, uh, the, the, God has sent His very own Son, the one who is going to be the Messiah, that is going to save the whole world. He sent Him, and you're going to be able to go find Him. You're going to find Him in, in, the, in a manger, and He's going to be in this, you know, essentially where the cows eat, and He's going to be in this barn. He's going to be wrapped in these cloths, and that's how you'll know. And so He, God makes a decision to announce the birth of His Son to these shepherds. And if you think about it, I mean, there's just a lot more strategic things that, that God could have done. There were people who would have had significantly more influence over making sure this word got out. People who were political leaders, religious leaders, people who would understand even deeper kind of what, what the Messiah was. People who, if they had heard an angel come to them and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. You should go find out who would they, they would go explore. It. This angel came to me and would have great amounts of influence to make sure that this message got out. But that is not what he chose. Instead of people of great influence, he chose these shepherds. And I think in the kind of this first little bit of worldview that I think that God is wanting to kind of remake in us a little bit, I would say, is this, is that God sees people differently than we do. And the thing that we think, we think whether or not some person is strategic, or whether or not someone is important, whether or not they can really help, whether or not they matter, what we think is very different than what God thinks. Because God makes a very intentional decision to say, the very first people that I want to tell about Jesus coming, about my son coming into this earth, are the people with the least amount of power, the least amount of influence, the kind of people that other people reject. And it's really interesting that this would even happen in the town of Bethlehem because it goes back to the fact that God has been trying to teach us this for at least a thousand years before this. When, when God is selecting who's going to be the second king of Israel, this guy named David, he sends Samuel, this prophet, he sends him to Bethlehem, this small insignificant town. It's like, what? And then he goes, I'm going to take you to this relatively insignificant family. And he goes to this relatively insignificant family. He says, it's going to be one of his sons. And so the dad brings out all of his sons, and, and Samuel keeps going, well, this guy's really good looking and seems really strong. He's like, no, 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 not that. Well, this one must be. He's like, he's like, no, you don't understand. You're looking at the wrong thing. You look at outward appearance, and God looks at the heart, and he goes through all those sons, and is, um, God says, it's none of those. And he, he looks at the dad, he's like, is there not a, another son? He's like, oh, and it's the son that the dad forgot to bring. Oh, yeah, that's right. I do have that one other son. And he's with the sheep. 
And he comes, and God says, that's my guy. A thousand years later, the shepherds, God looks at those are my guys. Because you, what you're looking at and the way that you decide whether or not someone matters or is important is very different than God's. And so there's a couple of different applications for that depending on who you are and kind of where, you, where your heart is right now. Um, and, and the first one is this. If you feel a little bit like a shepherd, if you feel a little bit like you are kind of on the bottom rung of society, if you feel like you are someone who's kind of on the outside, I want you to hear this, that God sees you. And no matter what it is you are telling yourself about how valuable you are, and no matter what it is you think the world is telling you about your value, about whether or not you're important, whether or not you have anything to offer, I want you to hear that God sees you and loves you and values you way beyond what you think and way beyond what this world is telling you. You are incredibly valuable in the eyes and the heart of God. And so if you feel unseen, unknown, or unloved, know that you are known and seen and loved by God. Now that will be an application for some of us. But for some of us, we don't really, really, if we're just going to be honest, maybe sometimes we feel on the outside, but really in our society, we're really not on the outside because of who we are, because of our job, because of our influence, our power, our money, or whatever. We're not at that bottom rung. And in fact, then your application is that you need to start seeing other people the way that God sees them. We need to make a decision to change in our hearts and our minds what makes someone valuable. What makes someone important? Because what God sees and what we see and what we say are very different. God did not choose to be strategic in the way that we think about being strategic. He did not choose influence the way that we think. He chose these shepherds. He sees them and He loves them and He brought hope to them. You need to see them and bring hope to them. And I'm just, I, 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 I so admire people. And we have several in our church who have done this or in the process of doing it, some who are considering it, who have stepped into the incredibly messy world of foster care. And when you step into the world of foster care, you will see and experience some of the worst things that this world has to offer. And you will see some brokenness and, and some incredible hurtful things that are going on in this world. And what, what those people need is to be seen and loved. And when we step into that and not simply love on the kids, which is an amazing thing to do, to love on the kids who can only be described as victims, but to also love the, the entire family when you get that opportunity the people who have been involved in doing these things, to be able to say, I see you, God sees you, God loves you, and to be able to step into that brokenness. It is a tremendous thing to be able to do. And that is what God has called us to, to see the hurting and the broken and to step into it, whether it be through foster care or the awesome people who just make sure, that, hey, we're going to have food in that pantry 
um, all throughout the week. Or the people who are willing to stop by and see the person who is asking for money there on the side of the road and to take and give some food, to take and give money, to give a gift card to them and to say, I see you, God values you. And to instead said, look at them and say, well, you know, I mean, they did this to themselves, really. I mean, for the most part, can we just be honest? These people, they, they, them, they did this to themselves. Okay? Almost all of your problems you did to yourself. Well, I don't want to give them money, though. Well, why not? Well, they might use it on something bad. Can we just shoot straight here for a second? That idea has not prevented God from giving you more money. Right? It's not a question of whether or not you think they are going to use it for something valuable. It is you communicating to people who need to hear it that they are valuable. They are not others. They are people. And it would seem, if you read the Bible from cover to cover, people who God has a special place in His heart for. Whether or not they have done it to themselves is irrelevant. Whether or not they're going to make a good decision now that you've seen them is irrelevant. What matters is that God sees them and loves them. So God wants you to see the broken, and you need to know too that God sees you when you're broken. So we have this one angel, and he's come to the, to the shepherds and said, Hey, Jesus has been born. You're going to find him down there in the, in the stable. He's going to be in, in the manger wrapped in these claws. And, and, and the story then continues. He makes this announcement. And then in verse 13, the story continues. And then suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So all the way up until this story, working our way through the Christmas story, this one angel came to Zechariah and, and, and told him that um, you're going to have a son. It's going to be John the Baptist, even though you and your wife are barren and well past having, being able to have kids. This one angel comes and tells him that. And this one angel comes to, to Mary and says, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And then this one angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, it's, it's cool. Um, Mary's, Mary's with, with me. It's, not, it's nothing bad. You should take her as your wife. Don't be afraid. And then one angel comes to the shepherds and says, hey, guess what? The, the Savior has been born down in Bethlehem. You should go down and check it out. And I want to say that having one angel face-to-face visit with you, that's a big deal. That's not small. That's not normal. That's not, man, that is God showing up. But that's not all that happens here. What happens next is the one angel gives the message, and then suddenly, and I love that, it's what it says, and then suddenly thousands upon thousands of these angels show up. 
And they begin to sing and praise God. And all of a sudden, rather than having this one really weird encounter with this one angel, now the whole sky is full of these angels praising God. And what I want us to see from this, not only about how God sees people differently than we do, but that sometimes God shows up big. Big. God shows up in a big way in people's lives. It was not small what happened in this interaction with the shepherds. He, he didn't just simply see them and kind of give them a little pat on the back and say, I see you. He showed up in this tremendous, larger-than-life kind of way, something that has, uh, there's, I don't think there's any record of anything like this. And he did this for them in a big, powerful way. You are not alone. God is with you and he will show up. Now we talked about this. This is a little bit of a counterbalance to some of the things we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Because yeah, I mean, sometimes you're walking through life and it is not what you want it to be. You're going this way when you wish you could be going this way and you're trying to understand and really all we have is kind of these quiet moments of encouragement that we know that God is with us no matter what. But you know what? Sometimes just God just shows up. And He will do something incredible in your life. If you think about it, God has already done some incredible things in your life. He shows up in big ways to do big things, to bring healing to you, to bring hope to you, to bring life to you, to answer a prayer request in a way that you never thought was possible. And God will show up in a big way in your life. And we need to live like we believe that. And a little bit, this is kind of a confession for me. Because I'm one of these people that I feel like that, like I'm always just kind of preemptively managing my expectations. Like we do this with prayer. I mean, it's pretty common, right? It's a pretty common prayer. Dear God, please do this really big thing for me, but you're probably not going to, and just help me feel better about it when you don't. Amen. And, and you are, you're not 10 seconds into your prayer when you have already made an excuse for God and tried to manage your own emotions in case you don't get the thing that you want. And I'm not going to sit here and say that just because you pray something big that you're going to get exactly what you want when you want it. I'm not saying that. But here's the thing that I will say about, about my own life is that I have never regretted believing in a big, powerful God who was with me. A big, powerful God who wants to show up. And we've been through some really weird times. We've been through some hard times. And we, like, there, was, there, was that, there was that window when we were foster parents. And it looked like we were going to be able to uh, adopt our Layla. And then for a minute there, we, it wasn't. And then ultimately we were able to. But we made a decision from the very beginning that we are going to believe and live boldly and believe that God is going to do something great and he did some of you may know this we are we are 0 for 3 anytime we've moved from one town to another we always leave the house that we own we leave it behind
we, but we believe that God is going to do something big. And we believe that God is going to, even when he didn't, right? It's like you were supposed to sell it while we were still there before we moved. We were supposed to, but we believe that God is going to do something great. And there's just something different about a life of a follower of Christ who walks and lives like someone who believes that God is going to do something big. Because even then, when expectations aren't met, you still have this affirmation that a big God is with you. Well, if a big God doesn't show up in a big way, He must have a big reason. And I anticipate the big thing that He's going to do. Living that sort of life of a trust and faith and a belief in a big God. And not to be someone who's just sitting around managing expectations, trying to prevent myself from having to really experience life's disappointments. So the shepherds, verse 16, now they decide to go and check this thing out. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So when 10,000 angels show up, I mean, you got to go down there. It's like, i got to go see what this is. And they go down there, and they're like, yeah, this is exactly it. And now you're looking. you got Mary and Joseph and a little baby, and probably some other people now have at least showed up to at least be nice to Mary and Joseph there, and now they've had a baby, right? And he goes, you will not believe what we're just, we're there, and there's one angel, and he's like, yeah, it's going to be, he's going to be in a barn. It's like, baby in a barn, that's weird. And it's like, it's going to be like this. And then there's like 10,000, and they're screaming and shouting, and they're just praising God. It's amazing. And we come down here, and it's just like what we said it was going to be. And to kind of go back to something we were talking about last week, this verse 19, Mary hears all of this, and it says, they were, everybody who heard it was amazed. And it says that Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. Hearing this story from the shepherds, she'd been on a really rough journey over the last nine months. But at this moment, at this last moment, because of the experiences that the, that the shepherds had, it spoke to her. It brought life and comfort to her. And so when God does show up big, when he does, you have to share it. You have to. Because it brings hope and healing to Mary and to Joseph. God was with us this whole time. Because you know all the ups and downs. Is God really with us? Is this really what we're supposed to be doing? Why are we in this barn? Why is this happening? And all of a sudden, the shepherds show up. You will not believe what the night we've had. And it says she treasures these things in her heart. And I don't know at what point um, Mary figured this out. But God wanted to show the shepherds how valuable they were. He wanted them to be the first ones to be able to sit and worship Jesus. And the only way that was ever going to work out was for that kid to be born in a barn. There's probably almost no other place in Bethlehem where the, the, the um, 
the graveyard shift shepherds would have been welcome to come in and worship the newborn baby. Come into somebody's house, you come into some inn. He's like, who let the sheep smelling guys come in, get away from the baby? You stink, you're gross, you're not welcome here. And so Mary's like, well, it had to be this way because of this bigger thing that God was wanting to do in their life. And so he brings comfort and healing and perspective to Mary and Joseph. And ultimately, they get the whole town going, expressing the incredible thing that God has done in their life. And when God does something big in your life, that's what you're supposed to do. But we have this idea in our head that your religion, your spirituality, it's supposed to be private. It's supposed to be secret. Let me hear you say this. It is very personal. There is a far cry difference between personal and secret. When something amazing happens in your life, it is meant to be shared. And it's not awkward if you, don't let, if, if you decide it's not. You guys have been around here for a while. You come up here, you hear me, you probably know a few of these things. That dude likes the Razorback basketball team. He likes roller coasters. He likes Disney World. He likes Chick-fil-A. You just know these things. I have great experience. I'll tell you about it. I'll give you one more. I really like those inexpensive uh, TVs at Walmart with the built-in Roku. They're, they're amazing. You should totally get one, right? <laughs> I like them. It's easy. I had this great experience. I liked it. I used you. Yeah, it's not India, it's fine. I like it. And you know what? God did something really awesome in my life. In my, in my, at my worst moment, in my most broken, when I was kind of at this point where I was fully aware of the sin in my life, and I felt this hopelessness that I was never going to be good, at, good enough, even though I'd heard the story for years for the first time, the understanding of who Jesus really was and what he did for me, it made sense to me that Not only did he live a great life, but he died so that I might live. And he brought hope to my life. And he does it all the time. And you need to know that. And there are people in your life who can't make sense of what's going on with their life right now. And desperately need the hope that comes from you sharing the times that God has shown up in big ways in your life. So as we launch ourselves here into, the, in, into Christmas, we kind of find our hearts really thinking about Jesus and who He is and what He did and why He came. Let's just ask God to just kind of remake some things. That we would see people differently. That we would see God differently. That He's bigger and greater than what we, than what we think. That we would see ourselves differently. That my role is to bring, be, be someone who can bring hope to the people that God has put in my life. As always, it's time for response. We got, we're going to worship. Our prayer team has been back there praying for you. We'd love to keep pray, we'd love to pray for you specifically. If you have uh, some needs, some encouragement, a burden, something, anything. Prayer candles, communion is available. We can pray at the cross. We're going to have an opportunity to give. But let's ask God to shape us this Christmas season. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the shepherds. 
Thank you for that reminder that we all need. That God, no matter how low we feel, no matter how broken we feel, no matter how other or outside we may feel, that God, that you see us. And God, I pray that we would have your eyes as we see people. And God, I pray that we would all have some great stories in the next few weeks, months, of you just showing up in a big way in our life. And that God, that when you do, we would, we would, we would tell the world. That God, that the people that you put in our lives, we could bring hope and encouragement to them by the way that you are in our lives. God, I pray that we would just have a, a, a great Christmas week. A great time of worship, time with family. And we love you, God. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.